You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Merry Christmas to you. As we gather around the Lord's Word and His body and blood to rejoice in this mystery of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do so this morning, especially in the sermon, by meditating on the theme of joy. Christmas joy. Now, I, I want to make a, a, a distinction right at the beginning and to say that we want to speak of joy, I think, in two different ways. There's a natural joy and there's a spiritual joy. Now, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, they had both perfectly and in their fullness. The natural joy is the joy of all of the things of this life. It's the joy of getting uh, a winemaking kit on Christmas Day. <laughs> I don't know if someone has that joy. Maybe that would be great. It's the joy of gathering together with your family to eat a Christmas dinner. It's the joy of health. It's the joy of having a home. It's the joy of of having a future, uh, of being able to live a life in this world, of, of, of having house and home and wife and children and food and land and animals and all of these natural gifts. This, this is a natural joy, which Adam and Eve had in abundance. The whole world was spread out before them. They had a life, a natural life, that would never even end. And there is a spiritual joy. A spiritual joy is a different kind of joy. It's a different thing altogether. Spiritual joy comes from our union with God. It comes from being able to stand before God apart from any sort of fear of His wrath. Spiritual joy is found in true love of God and true faith in God and even fear of God. Spiritual joy, for us, is the forgiveness of sins. But for Adam and Eve, it was something different. It was being able to walk with, garden, with, with God in the cool of the day in the garden. It was being able, think about this, for Adam and Eve, their joy was being able to hear the footsteps of God in the garden and they would delight in, in that sound. And they would say, here comes God to sit with us, to talk with us, to rejoice together in the life that he's given. Now, make no mistake, the devil hates this joy. Both the natural joys and the spiritual joys. And he wants to separate you from them. He did that in the garden with Adam and Eve. I mean, he, that's what he came to do. He came to destroy their joy. And so he, he puts in front of Adam and Eve th- this fruit which God had forbidden and says that you're going to find more joy and more happiness and more fulfillment in eating this fruit than you will in all of the other gifts that the Lord has given to you. And they believed the lie. They ate the fruit. They fell. They lost their joy. They, they lost their joy in each other. Remember how it was that when the Lord came to Adam and said, what have you done? And, and Adam says, the woman that you gave to me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. There's no joy now in the marriage that the Lord had given to Adam and Eve. And there's no more joy in the work that God had given to Adam. Remember, the Lord says, you're going to uh, uh, toil and in, in the sweat of your brow, you'll bring forth fruit from the dirt. There's no more joy in this most precious gift that the Lord had given to Eve to bear children. Now you'll have pain in conception, in childbirth, in child rearing. Now all the joys, the natural joys, are stolen away from them, but most especially the spiritual joy has been taken away. The Lord sends Adam and Eve out of the garden. 
And he puts two cherubim to guard the way back, lest they and we would eat the tree of life and live forever. We now have to live our days with a fear of God, with, with a thought that when the Lord comes, we don't rejoice in the sound, but in fact we run from it. Remember? I, I think this is one of the worst, one of the worst of all of the scripture passages. That when Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord, their God, walking in the garden, they hid themselves for fear. Can you imagine that? That you hear the sound of the feet of God and you say, run, hide. He's after me. He's going to kill me. They knew that's what they deserved. And the loss of this spiritual joy is not something that we can regain on our own. It's not something that we can undo with our own efforts. We can try. We can try to make things right with God. I mean, we can try to do enough good works. We can try to make ourselves holy enough so that we can somehow be fit for His presence, but it simply doesn't work. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And these joys have been stolen away from us not only by the devil, but also by ourselves, by our own sin, by the things that we have done. Which is why to restore that joy takes an act of God. Only He can do it. Only He can fix the things that we've broken. Only He can recover the joy that we lost. And this is exactly what He's doing at Christmas, when He, the Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, for He, for us men, and for our salvation, came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit, was born of the Virgin Mary. We, We call this, by the way, the second great mystery of the Christian faith. The first great mystery is the mystery of the Holy Trinity, that there is one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all uh, eternally subsisting, the Son begotten of the Father, the Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. That's the first great mystery. And the second great mystery is this, that the eternal Son of God has taken upon Himself human flesh the incarnation. We were talking about this with the children uh, yesterday morning in the Bible class opening, trying to sort out what this word incarnation means. And I said, does anyone know what carne is? Have any of you had a carne burrito at the store? And they said, yeah, that means it has meat in it. So what does incarne mean? And they said, it means in meat. (laughs) And that's right. God is in our meat. He's in our flesh, in our bone, with our blood, to be our brother. Now, we we can think about this, and we can meditate. In fact, it's one of the differences between a secret and a mystery, right? A secret, as soon as you tell a secret, it's no longer a secret, 
But you can talk about a mystery, you can speak of a mystery, you can tell people of a mystery all you want, and in fact, the more you speak of it, and the more you meditate on it, and the more you wonder about it, the more mysterious it is. And it's true with this great mystery. How can it be that God, who is by definition not creature, not humanity, and man, who is by definition not God, how can these two be united in one? The, the, the church has been meditating on this for years. It's why Christmas is so great, because it reminds us to think of these things. And the church has for us come up with three images to help us wrap our minds around it. These are analogies, and like every analogy, at some point they fall short. But these are the three pictures that we have to consider it. The first is to consider a, a, a fire in an iron. Like, you know the old blacksmith shops, and they would... They would have the furnace there and they would put the iron in there and the fire would be absorbed into the iron all the way through so that the iron itself was red hot and yet the iron was iron and the fire was fire and yet the two were intermingled with one another. They were joined together and yet the two substances remained their own, with their own identity. That's, that's the first picture. So the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus are joined together, that they're united and and and. Uh, 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 put together so that they, can, they can't be taken apart. The picture like that, the second picture, is the burning bush. Remember how it was when, when Moses found the bush bound, uh, burning on the mount? And the, bur- the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed? So this becomes a picture of the two natures of Christ. That is, human nature is like the bush, and the div- divine nature is like the fire, and they're united into one another, and yet one does not destroy the other. Or the third picture, and this is, I don't know if, this makes it more mysterious to me, but it is the kind of church history authorized picture to meditate on this, is just like we have a soul and a body, these two things, and yet they're bound up together, and we, we don't know that, we, you know, we can't sort out where our soul ends and body begins. It's just kind of all bound up into one. So it is with Jesus. Human soul and body bound up to the divine nature. It's what's called the personal union. So that in Christ we have two natures bound up in one single person. It's, a, it's, it's phenomenal to consider. It's mind-blowing. The joy of this incarnation is not in the what of the incarnation, but in the why. After all, why did Jesus, the eternal Son of God, have to take upon Himself our flesh and our blood? Why did the Word become flesh and dwell among us? For what purpose? For our redemption. For us and for our salvation. There were tools required to rescue us. I don't know if any of you uh, saw this morning a little uh, on the first page of some instruction books, a list that says, tools needed for assembly. (laughs) Hammer, wrench, screwdriver, etc. Well, if you can imagine that sort of thing with your salvation, there were tools needed for your redemption, because death was required, and the eternal Son of God cannot die, because blood was required, and the eternal Son of God had no blood. Jesus, and here's the point, Jesus needed a body, 
He needed your flesh and blood so that he would have something to be nailed to the cross. He needed that blood so so he would have something to spill, to wash away your sins. These are the necessary tools for our salvation. Now, there's one danger in talking this way, which I want to make sure that we don't fall away to, and that is this, that whenever you pick up the tools required to assemble something, when you're done with the assembly, you put the tools back in the toolbox. Not so with Jesus. When he took upon himself our flesh and our blood, he did so eternally, so that Jesus still has a body, the same body that he received from the Virgin Mary, he still has at the right hand of the Father, and he will have that body eternally, world without end. The grave was empty. Jesus took that body up with him so that he could have hands to raise and blessing so that he will have feet to come back to the earth with. He doesn't lay aside his flesh and his blood, but continues to use them to serve us, to pray and bless us, and even to give to us to eat and to drink for our forgiveness. And dear saints, this is our Christmas joy. It's not only that Jesus has taken upon our flesh and blood to become our brother, but that Jesus has taken upon flesh and blood to become our Savior. So that he could be nailed to the cross. So that he could be whipped and beaten. So that he could be uh, laid in the tomb. So that he could rise again on the third day. And so that he could be here even this morning on the altar for you. For your forgiveness. To rescue you to redeem you, and to forgive all of your sins. And in this, Jesus has restored the joy that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. Remember remember how it was when Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord uh, coming in the garden and they ran for fear? Well, we hear the sound of the Lord coming in His Word when we ring the church bells on Sunday morning, and we don't run from it, but we run to it. Knowing that when we find the face of the Lord Jesus, we don't find God scowling at us, but smiling. We don't find God turning us away, but rejoicing. We don't find God angry, but delighting in you and forgiving you, welcoming you, blessing you and bringing you all that you need to reach eternal life. So we rejoice. It could be that our natural joys fall short. That the wine turns out to taste bitter. (laughs) That our health turns to sickness and eventually death. That we lose good friends. That our jobs go away. That the future is uncertain that we have pain and all sorts of trouble in this life. It could be that our natural joys are diminished, but our spiritual joys, the gift of Christ, His mercy and His forgiveness, these you have, and they can never be taken from you. Yours is the kingdom of God. Yours is Christ, and His life belongs to you. And in that we rejoice. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding.
Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.